is Kimberly Sandoval. I'm originally from Huntington Beach, but I've, for the last um, 20 plus years, I've lived in Santa Ana Civic Center. I've been homeless. Um, today and time, I currently try and do the works of God every day. I worship, I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm not very good at doing that, but I worship every day and just stay focused on Him. Meaning Brian, has just been an awesome, amazing journey the last couple of years with him. When I first heard about Brian was through one of my clients and he was like, I got a guy I want you to meet. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I grew up in Miami, Florida. I was the middle child. I have an older brother, younger sister. Grew up in a household where mom and dad lived together up until the point when they got divorced. But I can remember the season of brokenness as our, as our parents separated, and it was a messy divorce. It was a lot of lawyer issues and parents not agreeing or talking. And upon meeting him, it was amazing because I was able to open up to him. He, he has something about him that you just makes you want to cling to him. And I can remember these moments of just retreating to my room to create. And creating became my, it became my haven. It became my, my place of, of peace. And I think in that process, I was finding who I actually was. And just the emotional strain on my mom, the problems in the, in the marriage and the family, we found ourselves like entering these seasons of poverty that, that were probably shocking to all of us. At the time, I'm like, what, what's happening, right? And so we got these little glimpses into like living a life of like not being able to meet our needs or feeling what it feels like to, to be like destitute and not being able to provide for yourself. At first I felt like, oh, he's just one of those people that come out and talk and you know, a lot of lip service, um, promising us everything under the sun, but it's different with Brian. I'll never forget the scars of just the risk of while we're two, three months late on rent, that kind of things, you know? I can see that our life could have went that way, similar to the subjects that I now paint today. Painting is a form of worship for me. I really feel that painting takes me to a place where I've like entered the throne room, entered his presence. So the first step in Faces of Santa Ana is always about relationship. It's about meeting the person. It's about understanding who they are. Second step is asking them, hey, like, can I, would you allow me to paint a painting of you? And nowadays that looks like showing them my previous work and saying, would you like to be a part of this? So we sell the portraits and we're able to raise money for the specific subject in the piece. And we hold the money in our nonprofit business account and we tell the client, hey, you have this amount of money in your love account. And then we say, let us know how we can help you with cool that guy. money. This is like my favorite part about Faces of Santa Ana is the and moment where we get to share with you really yeah, I was seeing and the blessing of someone buying your piece, you know? Yeah, so how do you feel right now? I feel like a kid at Christmas. Right. So for me to be able to I was say, be a part of making you feel yeah, like Yeah, I was, was going to say, well, you probably feel like Santa Claus or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually met Stevie Boy through a friend really good friend of mine and another artist here in Santa Ana. So Stevie Boy has always been 
known for bikes. Like everyone around Santa Ana knows Stevie Boy rides crazy bikes that he builds underneath a tree in the back of a gas station. <laughs> and so Stevie Boy had this bike that had two different tires. It had a mountain bike fork. It had these crazy handlebars. It was like this rusted copper color. And so Stevie Boy, because he has such a love for bikes, his dream was to get something that he really valued and that he can say, wow, this is gonna last me. I think we're just gonna go over here, just a couple streets over, and they have, there's a little bike shop and he has some pretty cool bikes. And, and from the money that came from um, selling the portrait of me, which, you know, it, just, it just seems like a dream. I can't, it's, it's, I mean, <laughs> so in the shop there's two different rooms and um, the first room is like a convenience store slash bike shop so there's a couple bikes in the front and they have a separate room to the right hand side and there's like there's just a thousand bikes in there all kind of piled up together but that's 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 usually where you find the gems and so after he purchased this new bike the specialized stunt jumper as it's called afterwards he said man I just realized, I forgot, I had a stunt jumper. I had the original version of this bike in the 80s. And now I've received like the updated version. And so we were like taking him back through his life. And he's just remembering things about his past. And he's stepping into this kind of new future with this just simple act of blessing someone just through this painting. My dad used to tell me, how can you help somebody else? You can't help yourself or something like that. You can help anybody at any time. There's always people out there that need that need help, and if you pass by somebody, sometimes maybe just the simple acknowledgement of their existence just to say hello. Poor, I, I think it's just a state of mind, I think. And there's so much more than monetary and money and material possessions as far as rich or poor. And that's why I think it's a wonderful name, Faces of Santa Ana, because we are Santa Ana. We're, we're part of Santa Ana. We're a community also. You know, we're just a community inside a community. And so the reveal usually looks like me turning the canvas around and saying, hey, this is how we see you. This is how the Lord sees you. I don't know how to put it. I don't, to know that somebody actually sees me in that way. I think it breaks my heart a little bit more. because I want to see what they see. And I know it's going to take time, I know that. I just want to see what he sees. Kim, we ended up baptizing Kim. And I'd been asking her for a while, hey, I want you, I want to extend an invitation for you to be baptized. Brian said I was shaking, but I don't remember. But I felt like a weight was just lifted. You know, like, just, it was just taken off. And I'm just like, it's just such an awesome feeling. I read things in the Word, I read things in the Bible, I hear my pastor speak, but oftentimes it doesn't become real until I'm stepping into relationship and out there in the field, learning these things tangibly. And what I've actually found in the process is that they've taught me so much of what it looks like to be dependent on God. But when I think we are all poor, or the definition of poor, I 
think about poor in spirit and I walk out my life with a spirit of feeling poor so that I'm dependent solely on his plan for my life. Good evening, everybody. You gotta do a little better than that. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> if we can get the first slide up, that would be great. So I'm here, obviously my name is Brian Peterson. I'm here with my lovely wife, Vanessa, and our four-month-old daughter. Give them a round of applause. <laughs> I also just wanna say, I think um, Dave, your son that knows how to color in the lines, I think this could be a potential avenue for him. <laughs> yes. So I run an organization called Faces of Santa Ana in Orange County. Obviously, you saw all about it. And today, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about what it looks like to take kingdom creativity into the world. I'm going to do a lot of storytelling today. I don't consider myself a preacher, but I love to tell my story because my story testifies to God's goodness. My story testifies to how you can hear the voice of the Spirit and respond in obedience. My story also testifies to obedience being the highest form of worship. And so we're going to go on a little journey of how this all started. We're going to talk about how the kingdom of God is impacting the world. And then I'm going to tell you one in-depth story about a client that sort of illustrates it all together. So my story starts about five years ago, and I was on my couch reading this book called Love Does. And the book was about, by Bob Goff, and the book was about basically, what does it look like to love your neighbor unconditionally, sacrificially? What does it actually look like to love? And so here I am, a new believer, new Christian, freshly saved, taking the Bible quite literally, and I'm thinking, Lord, teach me how to love people. I don't know how to love people because I don't know you yet. And so I'm searching for Jesus, and as I'm reading about loving my neighbor, I hear the screams from my neighbor outside of my window in Santa Ana. And there were screams from a man experiencing homelessness. And me and my wife would often say, oh, there goes the screaming homeless man. There goes our good night's rest. But this time my heart was changing. My heart was completely different. And I looked at my wife, Vanessa, and I said, I got to get to know the screaming homeless man. I can no longer not know his name. I can no longer drive past him every day and not say hello. So two days later, I was on my way home from work, on my bicycle of all days. I rode my bike that day, and I felt that nudge. I didn't know that the nudge was the voice of God at the time because I was extremely naive. I didn't know much about the word, much about the Bible. All I knew is that I wanted to follow Jesus. I was extremely naive, so I said, I'm gonna go find the screaming homeless man. I found him a block away from my house, put my bike on the ground, sat next to him, and the first thing I did is I apologized. I said, hey man, I'm your neighbor, my name is Brian, and I'm sorry. And he said, sorry for what? And I said, sorry for driving by you a hundred times and not saying hello, and I just wanna change that. I wanna let you know that I live right there in the building next to you, and this is who I am. He told me his name is Matthew, that he moved out here from Kentucky to pursue a career in music. One thing led to another, and he ended up on the streets. And so, out of nowhere, from like the innermost being inside of me, I asked Matthew, I said, hey man, would it be okay if I painted your portrait? I hadn't painted in nine years. I wasn't an artist, I was looking for my next subject. I studied art growing up in school. I was now working as a car designer at Kia. And I just asked him, can I paint your portrait? It was, it was as foreign to me as it was to him. And Matthew said yes, 
And I went home and started painting his portrait. And so I started to realize that as I spent time looking at the face of Matthew, I took a picture of him on my phone, and then back at the canvas and back at his face, I started to realize that my own heart was building compassion and empathy for a complete stranger. I couldn't believe that I was actually feeling connected to this guy who was always screaming outside of my building who nobody ever spoke to. And so a couple days later, I went down and we revealed the painting to Matthew. And I turned the painting around and I said, hey, Matthew, this is how I believe the Lord sees you. You're way more than your homelessness. You're way more than the abandonment that you experienced today. And this is how we see you. And Matthew looked at the painting and he was in shock. The first words out of his mouth, he said, you actually did it? You actually painted me? Portraits are usually reserved for the kings and queens of the earth, the people that can afford them, the presidents, the leaders. But the kingdom of God is often upside down, right? The lowly are the ones that he's after, right? So Matthew couldn't believe that a kingdom citizen would actually look at him and say, here's your royal portrait. And so in this moment, it kind of came on a whim. It must have been the Lord. But I asked Matthew, I said, hey, can you sign this painting? I want you to sign it as well because I want your signature and my signature to be the seal of what this is all about. And so Matthew took this pen and he stood over his canvas for probably a good 30 seconds, which is a long time if you're waiting for someone to sign something. (laughs) And then he goes, oh, okay. And we realized that he didn't remember his signature. He's not like the rest who has services and friends and benefits. He lived the the, the, the isolated life. So he remembered his signature, he wrote it down, and then we started to realize, wow, maybe creating with God has some properties and some possibilities of restoration beyond what we could ever imagine. He promises that he'll do more than we can think and imagine. And that was one of those moments where I said, is this what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life? (laughs) In that moment, I realized, I think I found my calling. So we ended up selling Matthew's painting and um, we used the money from the painting to help him record an album. We sold the album online. This is amazing experience. So I caught a fire inside of me, as Dave was saying earlier. And I was the crazy guy going around my neighborhood streets, meeting everybody I can, experiencing homelessness. I was showing them Matthew's painting, and then Matthew's painting led to someone else. And quickly, now, five years later, I've painted about 40 portraits, and we've sold about 37 of them. And so the Lord has breathed on this mission, and I never thought in a million years that anybody would ever want to buy a painting of someone experiencing homelessness. A month ago, the last painting that I sold, I sold it for $15,000. To the invisible people, yes. And that's not a testament to me as an artist, that's a testament to the Lord and the value that he's placed on the people who we often ignore, right? And so you saw Kim in the video. She's on the bottom left there. I met Kim because I painted a guy, and he he loved his painting so much, he said, you have to meet my drug dealer. You have to paint her. (laughs) Yeah. Right? So here we go. As As we go out into the world, we have a choice. We go out as light, right? And so we have to understand that we will come against darkness. I sat in front of Kim's tent where she dealt drugs for the first time with Chinese food, and we sat there eating noodles, and people were coming up to her buying drugs. And so I had a choice that I could make. Like, 
condemn Kim and never speak to her again or actually look deep down into who she actually is. And what I found is a lady that was extremely brokenhearted, grew up in the foster care system, didn't know her parents, ended up being a prostitute, did time in jail, all these things. But on the surface, she was a homeless drug dealer. But inside, she was brokenhearted. And creativity, the art, led me down an avenue where I could get to know her personally. And so Kim's been in our house. Kim's been to dinner with us. Kim knows our daughter. Kim is a part of our life in a deeper measure. And so what does this all mean? A couple, a couple months ago, somebody asked me, what is your art called? Is it realism? Is it impressionism? And I had no answer for them, so I called my wife, which is what all husbands do when they have no answers. <laughs> And so Vanessa starts scouring through the Bible, and she found this verse um, from Genesis. And um, it's when basically Hagar gets extradited from the town because she's pregnant with, um, with the son. And she said she gave, this, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, for she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And that translates to El Roy. So the name in the Bible, El Roy, is translated into the God who sees me. And so we named our artwork Royalism, and it's art depicting the way God sees the most lowly people in the earth. And so that's what we've been running with. We believe that we can train people, believers like you and me, to see people with fresh eyes the same way God sees them. And so our ministry has begun to expand. This is a building that we did. It was 180 feet long. It's housing for the homeless, and we ended up painting the faces of the formerly homeless on the very home and apartment building that they live in. And so this has become a staple to the city. People ask, who are the people on the building? They think they're famous celebrities. They want to know their stories. But they're actually the people that we've ignored. They're actually the people that have been idle in our city that no one stopped to say hello. And so we get to do, and we get to play a very, very vital role in turning over and creating the upside down culture of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. So I don't know about you, but every now and then somebody speaks to me. I think Dave did this for us earlier. But sometimes someone will say something and it will go so deep into your heart it stays there. And a man told me a little while ago, he said, your paintings will take you where the gospel's not welcome. We know we can't openly go and share Jesus in places. Quite frankly, it's like illegal in most places, right? And he said, your paintings will be the open door for you to talk about Jesus. Like be very cognizant of what, of what Jesus is doing. And so, immediately, he starts, the Lord starts putting me in the school system. So this was a public school project. 27 students signed up to be taught by me, and we painted our neighbors experiencing homelessness in Santa Ana. And this picture is of a 16-year-old girl revealing her painting to the subject, and she's saying, this is how I've been taught to see you. And so you have a 16-year-old and someone that's been invisible their whole life in the kingdom of God right in the midst of it, and then as you can imagine, the Lord did amazing things with this gallery. And so we're using creativity to break into the areas of the world that have been closed to the gospel. And it's been an incredible journey. This is a, this is a shot of me in a third grade class. As the, Lord, as the Lord launches you into the world, I want to sort of speak something over you and prepare you for something. Because my whole goal was to be humble. I was down with the lowliest of the earth. I was in the dark trenches, in the alleys. And from that, the Lord starts lifting me up and putting me on stages, right? And so how do you handle that type of exaltation from the Lord? So in this classroom, 
after I presented, all these third graders start running up to me with markers in their hands. And they're saying, oh my gosh, you're a famous artist, you're a famous artist. And they were taking off their shoes and they were asking me to sign their shoes. And just like I had done to every other third grader, I was about to say, no, no, I'm not a famous artist, I'm just a regular man. And as I was about to say that, more clearly than I've ever heard in my life, I felt the Lord say to me, gently and sternly, he said, don't you dare. And like the fear of the Lord came upon me, and I was about to squash the inspiration of a whole group of third graders seeing the kingdom of God because I was trying to be humble. Right? And so now I take these stages, and I'm grateful for the platform, but at night I get to lay my crown down and say, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to, to, to be a witness. Right? This is in Chapman College in California. It's one of our biggest colleges in Orange County. And this kid was particularly touched in the class, the kid with the big red arrow. <laughs> he was crying during the whole presentation, gave him a free print. He was just through the roof. And he started coming to our house. He started coming to our Bible studies. And about a year later, he calls me. He said, Brian, I'm graduating. And my parents are letting me do whatever I want. His sister went to Greece for a month when she graduated. So I think his parents could afford to do whatever he wanted. And he said, I've been praying about it. And instead of going somewhere, I really feel like I'm supposed to ask my parents to buy a Faces of Santa Ana painting. So this was a college kid that spent his college bonus or whatever you call it, college gift, graduation gift, on a painting to bless a family. Right? And so this kid has now, his life is so marked by Jesus. He works for the Clippers organization. He's calling me all the time, trying to partner in the city. But he's a man that's marked by Jesus now, and he's going into the world for the sake of the kingdom. He's doing the exact very thing. And he says he looks at this painting every day as a reminder of to step out of the world and be, be unconventional in the approach. So I want to read this verse from Ecclesiastes. This is an example of a moment where I didn't actually know I was living the Bible until I read this verse. I didn't know it was in there. I'm still a fairly new believer. But it says, as you do not know the path of the wind or how the bones are formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Then he says, sow your seed in the morning, which means go to work, right? And that evening, let not your hands be idle. Don't go home and watch Netflix all night. I'm translating into modern culture. <laughs> For you do not know which will succeed, the morning or the night, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. So for the last 10 years I've been a car designer, the last six years I've been saved, I've been going to work in the morning, working really hard designing cars for Kia Motors, and then at night, I've been staying up till midnight painting my neighbors. Not because I feel obligated to, because it's been a call on my life and I really enjoy it. And I never knew which one would succeed, right? And so what happened was that I was living this double life. Lord, what are you doing? Why am I at Kia? And then why am I doing this outside of work? I didn't understand it until the marketing team at Kia called me and said, we want to throw a gallery for you at Christmas time in the biggest mall in Orange County, inside of our Kia salon, and we want you to hang all your paintings in there. Right? But, and every single description that sits beneath those paintings, every single black square talks about my client's relationship with God and Jesus. 
And so this was just like a Jesus center. Everybody that went in that place read about Jesus. And the things that happened in this gallery are amazing. Some we know and some we don't, some things we don't know. But it was up there for a month during Christmas time in the highest traffic season in the mall. If that's not the kingdom of God breaking into the world, I don't know what is. And so we're going to end here. Um, this is the last story. I don't know if I'm over time, but you guys got to hear this one. This is the wrap-up of everything that's on my heart. This is rerun. And he would come to, I was doing like a morning Bible study at like 6 a.m. in the park, and my friends experiencing homelessness would come. I wasn't really teaching them the Bible. We were just reading it together because I haven't even read the whole Bible. I'm reading it, and I'm trying to become it as I read it, right? And so rerun would come, and every time he would come, he was like, okay, I'm here, but I just want you to know I'm a Muslim. I said, okay. But he came because I brought free sandwiches. <laughs> so he'd come day after day. Eventually, I said, hey, rerun, would you, I, I would love to paint your portrait, man. I love your heart. He dealt a lot with anger. I can see the brokenness in his heart. And so we started walking out life with him. One night at about 11 p.m. on a work night, when it's most inconvenient, rerun calls me, and I'm laying in bed with my wife, and I tell her, I feel like this is a God moment. And I always say that, so she's just like, no, it's not. <laughs> Everything's a God moment for me. And so she goes, okay, whatever, answer the phone. So I picked up the phone, and rerun is like, oh, man, I really need your help. I need your help. He's had cirrhosis of the liver as long as I've known him. He, he pretty, pretty much was eventually going to die from it, you know. And uh, he's like, can you please just bring me some Advil? I just need some Advil. So I looked at my wife. I said, I really feel like I'm supposed to bring him some Advil. She says, okay, just like text me and let me know you're okay. So I took her Advil, <laughs> went, uh, got in the car, and on the way there, I just felt so clearly that the Lord was saying, I want you to pray for rerun. I want you to pray for him. And so I get there, and I stepped out of my car. I hope you guys can see I'm a nice guy. But um, I walked up to rerun, and I said, hey, I'm here with the Advil, but before I give it to you, I want to pray for your liver. I want to pray that the Lord heals you. And he looked at me and he goes, how many times do I have to bleep, 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 bleep tell you I don't believe in your bleep, 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 bleep Jesus? And he was really angry at me. And I looked at him and I said, if you don't let me pray for you, I'm taking this Advil, I'm getting back in my car and I'm going to sleep. And he said, yeah, I don't know where that came from. That was the Lord because that's not me. Right? And so he said, whatever, man, bleep, 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 get it over with. Right? So I laid my hand on his back. I said, Jesus, I thank you that you love him. I thank you for a brand new liver in Jesus' name. And he was, he was hunched over on a merry-go-round in front of the dollar store. And he hops up. And I was like, what just happened? And he's like, it went away. And I said, let me pray one more time. <laughs> so, so, so I put my hand on his back. I said, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Heal his liver. And he hopped off the merry-go-round, started running around the parking lot, screaming, reruns back as loud as he can, right? And so I said... I said to him, I said to him, hey, man, Jesus just healed your liver. And he said, I don't believe in your Jesus, man. And I went home. A couple months later, a friend of mine is getting out of prison. And my line of work, I know a lot of people that go to prison. And he gets out of prison. And he said, I met one of your friends in there. His name's Rerun. And I said, Rerun's in prison? He said, yeah. He's in there for attempted murder. He stabbed somebody really close to the dollar store where he got healed. And Rerun has a message for you. And the message he had for me, he said that when he went into prison, he told the nurses that he had cirrhosis of the liver so that they can treat him. And they did every test possible and said his liver was 100%. And it gets better. Hold the clap. They met 
in jail church. And Rerun's now following Jesus inside the prison church. Yeah. So my final slide is a question to you. My paintings will take me where the gospel's not welcome. What do you have? What's in your hand? What are you born with? What is that thing that the Lord formed in the womb for you to take into the world? Your story will take you where the gospel's not welcome. Your ability to do accounting will take you where the gospel's not welcome. Where are you going with your gift to spread the good news of Jesus Christ? Where are you going with the Holy Spirit? Where are you allowing him to take you? This is an invitation today. I actually want to, um, I'm going to say a quick prayer before we end. And I was praying about just a word for the house here, a word for the church. And I really felt like the Lord wanted me to pray for a specific group of people in here who have a dream on their heart. They've had a dream for a long time, but they specifically feel unqualified to carry out the dream. As if the dream is too big, which was me. That was, that's my story. And so if you're that person, if you have a dream on your heart that you feel unqualified to carry out, which is exactly the qualification that God would give you, he never calls you to pursue a dream you can handle on your own. You need him. And so if you feel unqualified to carry out your dream, would you stand? It's gonna take some courage. It's gonna take a little bit of courage. Thank you, thank you, just stand. Bless you, bless every heart. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Yes, this was me. I still feel unqualified. <laughs> I don't know how I'm up here to begin with. So, Lord, we just thank you. God, we thank you for every heart in here. God, we thank you for every seed inside of these hearts. Father, I ask you right now by the power of your spirit that you would water these seeds, that you would implant the mind of Christ into every believer in this place, that they'd walk out a life realizing that your kingdom brings abundance, your kingdom brings favor, your kingdom brings light into dark places and causes darkness to scatter. I pray that you would eradicate fear in the people in here. I pray that you would give them boldness. And most importantly, God, would you make them naive again like children? Would you make them naive again like children, that they would believe every word that's in Scripture, that they would believe everything that you said, that they would believe not just in you, Jesus, but your every word, that they would take your word literally, walk into the earth with you. God, would you open doors and connect them to people necessary to carry out their mission? God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. Would you bring a harvest to your kingdom through these people? In your name we pray. Amen. That was so amazing. We're gonna ask you to stay up here for a couple minutes with us. Is that All okay? Right. Okay, could you not just listen to stories for the rest of the night? So awesome. And he's been sick. He had a really high fever yesterday, <laughs> flew on a plane with his new three-month-old baby. So, um, so sit over there is yeah. what yeah. she's saying. I got, I got young children at home. No. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, Brian, I am so thankful just for you um, sharing what you shared. Because there's, there's, there's so much to it. And I know we, we only got a glimpse. And so one of the things we want to do is we want to take a few minutes and just ask a, some more follow-up questions. Hear some of the story behind the story. Uh, but I, I think what's beautiful just about tonight and something you were sharing with us a little, some of us a little bit earlier, is you take what Dave was talking about, about light and about the kingdom and encouraging us and empowering us and what Jesus can do. And then we hear your story, which is living that out. Um, and it can bring this reconciliation 
What's happening right now with Stevie Boy? Yeah, so Stevie Boy, the guy on the, my right, your left, his, uh, his sister reached out to me and said, hey, my father wants to connect with Stevie, his son again. They haven't spoken in years, and his father is near death. And so I went out to Stevie. I thought it was going to be great news. I met him by a gas station by our house, and I said, Stevie, your dad wants to reconnect with you. And Stevie was like, I hate his bleep, 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 bleep. I hope he goes to hell. And he's screaming. Everybody at the gas station is looking at him. And of course, I'm in this moment of like, okay, light and darkness. Here it is again, right? And so I just wait for him to go. He rattles off for a good two, three minutes. And then he's exhausted, and he leans on my truck. And he has his head against my truck, and he's weeping like a little boy. And he goes, I've wanted to be just like him my whole life. Right? And, he, and then he starts saying all the things that his dad said to him, just in the pain of all in their relationship growing up. And um, I realized in that moment I had to do something. And so I was at, like, while he was screaming in my head, I'm like, Lord, help me. What do I do? Like, give me a word. Like, help me help him. Right? And so after he was done and he told me all the things about his father, I just said, Stevie, can I offer you something? Can I go meet with your dad? Would you trust me to sit with your dad? Because he wanted to make sure that his dad wouldn't break his heart one more time and say something that would hurt him. So I got the pleasure a day before I came here with you guys, I was sitting down with Stevie Boy's dad, who's 81 years old, discipling him on how to approach his son for the last time. And Stevie told me, he said, you're the only one on the planet that I would ever trust to go see my dad for me. And it's because, it's because of what I take into the world to present the gospel to people. And so that's what's going on with Stevie. It's another day in Faces of Santa Ana. <laughs> that's incredible. So uh, earlier, you and Vanessa were sharing with uh, some, of the, some of the Move Out leaders here um, that you kind of have a tagline uh, that you live by. And I love how you're so honest about when you first started going out and building relationships, yeah. it was scary. Like you even said like your palms were sweaty. Yeah. And then you have this tagline that is, but on the other side of fear yeah. is breakthrough. Yeah. So just tell us a little bit about that. What have you learned as you've been building relationships and yeah. how have you grown and pushing through some of that fear? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't mean to sound like too theological right now, but the Bible actually talks about a spirit of fear, right? And so I, I've seen it in my own life when, when something great is about to happen in the kingdom, out in the world, a spirit of fear will come upon me to, to try to keep me away from doing whatever it is that thing. Like, there was, it was fear going to see Stevie Boy's dad, right? But I knew I had to break through. And so I really believe that us as believers, we have to understand that we're somewhat in a war, right? And we have to understand that there will be opposition to the kingdom of God. There's opposition to the light, right? And so for me now, whenever I feel fear, I'm like, oh, I'm running towards it. Like I'm gonna crush that fear because God's breakthroughs on the other side. And so a challenge for you guys could be write down those things that you're afraid of. That may be exactly where the Lord is calling you in this next season. That may be the key to actually break through and everybody that stood up who's, who's contending for a dream. It was terrifying for me to talk to Matt. He was screaming every day outside of my house. He probably could have been dangerous, right? And I went by myself and I just knew that I had to break through a little bit of fear in order to step into all of what you see. Thank you. For, thank yeah. you for sharing. Yeah, you can clap. And why I appreciate your authenticity about that is so many people can see the, the highlight reel, right? And they can see the highlight reel and go, I can't do that. But I think it's, it's even beautiful. Even yesterday, 
you're experiencing that moment of fear. That's why I love the last question, the last slide that you put up, is what is that one thing for people that where the, it, God will use it to take them into places that the gospel is not welcome? Yeah. It is a beautiful, beautiful picture, but it doesn't mean it's gonna be easy every time yeah. or simple, but it will be beautiful and there is breakthrough possible. Yeah, I wanna, I, I wanna promote our breakout session tomorrow. Um, tomorrow, the breakout session. What are you talking is, about tomorrow called, at your breakout this session? This is good. See what I did. Yeah. It's called Faces of Santa Ana, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna be discussing all the things that we've walked through, all the hardships, but the glory is so much better. And so if you guys are interested in a breakout session where you really get some nitty gritty of what it actually takes to live in the world and overcome darkness, this would be the place for you to come. Um, also, I didn't mention earlier that after this service here, we have a table outside where we'll have prints and t-shirts. If you wanna take home something as a reminder that says I'm gonna remind myself to, 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 to walk this out. I'm gonna remind myself every day by looking at this image to, uh, to walk into the world and, and be Jesus to people that don't know him. Some of these it. are out there. Like yeah. I have my yeah. eye on that yeah. one <laughs> out there. It's beautiful. But yes. people can make a donation to you? join with yes. you on that, right? Awesome. Yeah, and the t-shirt, they're so beautiful. Thank love you. Them. Um, and you'll be out there to kind of say hey and talk to people too, right? I'll be yeah. out there signing prints and then talking to all of you who want to talk. Um, so just, just to dive in a, a little bit deeper to the question, um, I know for you and Vanessa, like new marriage, new ministry, new home, talk a little bit about... This must have been easy. Yeah, yeah, it must have been easy. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about... Oh man, so Faces of Santa Ana started uh, two or three months before we got married. We were having a destination wedding, so my wife was at home planning the wedding and I was out till midnight hanging out with the homeless. It was not good. <laughs> yeah, no, so seriously, like, I didn't understand the boundaries of ministry, and then my wife was dealing with things of her expectations of our marriage, and this actually broke up our marriage, almost broke up our marriage once we got married. It was, like, on the rocks. Like, we were, we were having those couch debates slash arguments, and one day we were sitting on the couch together, and it, was, it got really bad, right? And um, I didn't know what else to do, so I said, let's just... I just moved the coffee table, I kicked the coffee table forward, and I said, let's get on our knees together as husband and wife. And we put our faces on the floor, and we both come from divorced households, we both come from broken families, and so we put our faces on the floor, literally, and we said, God, help us, we don't even know what this is supposed to look like. And in that moment, the presence of God showed up in our living room, we were weeping like children, and something left. Like, I don't know if it was pride, our personal egos, our own expectations of marriage, Whatever it was, he came in because we asked in humility. And since that day, although it's still difficult in ministry, both of our hearts are in the same place. Our hearts for the lost and broken. And we now recognize that our union is for the kingdom. Our union is not a selfish thing for both of us. So awesome. Are you sure you're not a pastor? Come on. <laughs> he says he doesn't speak that much, but you're so, it's so natural what you do. But, um, so I guess a question is like, what, is, what do you see God doing right now? It's funny, I think, I think the spirit in the earth, the Holy Spirit in the earth, I think is doing the same thing all over. And my word is the same as Dave's earlier. The Lord is putting a burning desire in my heart to make disciples. And so we're launching a Faces of Anaheim class. We're expanding into other cities. And I believe that there are artists in every city that are yearning and desiring to use their gifts for the kingdom of God and may not know how, and then I also know in every city there's the lost and the broken and the destitute yearning for an image of hope, yearning for a moment where they can hope again and see Jesus. 
And so what if we can make those two connections in cities all around the world? I want to see this movement in every city in the U.S. That dream scares me. I don't know how that will happen. Thank you. I need that. <laughs> but I, I believe it with all of my heart. And so as long as I believe it, my actions will prove what I believe and we'll take steps towards that every year. Detroit, yes. Yes. <laughs> we need to come to Detroit. So let me, uh, let me end with this. Uh, I just want to go back to, to one thing, and we want to pray for you as you step out in, yeah. into that beautiful and bold dream. Um, I love what Kim said on the video. Uh, she said, I want to see what you see. And it, it, there's this beautiful part of tonight that I hear it from Dave and I hear it from you, is when people experience the kingdom in unique ways, experience that feeling of value, it opens up to the door when we have a relationship, when we engage people at a human level, when we give people dignity, right? And um, I love that because it, that statement of your whatever it is will take you wherever the gospel is not welcome. And if each one of us are bringing that kind of picture of seeing people, Right? How one of your students said, I, I, I was taught to see you differently. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's a moment of discipleship. Mm -hmm. Right? You are discipling somebody to see the world differently with kingdom eyes, with yeah. God's eyes. And when we see people in that type of love, everything changes. Yeah. It changes for us, it changes for them. Yeah. So thank you. Can you guys give Brian a big. <laughs> hey. Would you join me in praying for Brian? Hey, be careful because I'm I, sick. No, no, I, yeah. it's one finger. It's one finger. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you for Brian. Thank you for his courage to be obedient in one moment, to walk outside, and that all of us get to be on the receiving end of that blessing. Thank you that we are inspired to walk with you to walk into our places of influence, our communities, and live differently as a result of his story. And that we are partners in your kingdom, seeing people transformed, seeing them differently. Lord, would you give us new sight so that we may experience your hope and your grace. And Father, as Brian steps out into the faces of Santa Ana movement and the dreams, Lord, would you just continue to speak those bold visions into his heart? Would you continue to open up doors, ridiculous doors into places where the gospel is not welcome, but that you are breaking through with your light. Thank you that we get to be partners in this in seeing your kingdom advance. In Jesus' name, amen.